first decades of the church were a time of great exploration and innovation. Some congregations were discovering new ways to worship. Others found innovative ways to support those in need. The church in Corinth specialized in church conflict. You could even say they invented the field. Today's reading is a good example of why. Having been brought into this new community through their baptisms, having been grafted into one body, the Corinthians immediately started looking for ways to start dividing themselves up again, sorting themselves into various factions, ranking themselves in hierarchies. And the multitude of teachers in their congregation who had baptized people gave them an easy way to do this. Some of them said, I belong to Apollos. Others said, I belong to Cephas. A few said, I belong to Paul. People began to identify themselves not with Jesus, but with the person who happened to baptize them. And even worse, people began to say that their baptisms were better than other people's because of who baptized them. They would say, being baptized by Apollos was the best. Or, you should have been here when Cephas was baptizing people. Or, you were baptized by Paul? Ah, I'm so sorry, he was just an interim. Today's reading feels like a situation that's unique to this church in Corinth. None of us brag about the person who baptized us. But it's not unique to them, it's a universal predicament. Every community of faith faces this challenge at one point or another because it's really not about who baptized you. It's about what you put your faith in. And we make the same mistake as the Corinthians all the time. We take something incidental to our faith, in the Corinthians case, the person who happened to baptize them, and we put that at the center. We do it with worship styles, we do it with denominations, we do it with leadership, we do it with traditions. We do it with all kinds of things. And to be clear, none of those things are bad. Your liturgy has to be somewhat coherent. You need leadership in the congregation, at least legally. You need to have some way of organizing the church as a denomination. Even Fred, who's down the street at non-denominational Cornerstone, would tell you that non-denominational is kind of its own denomination at this point. None of those things are bad. The problem, the danger, is when those incidental things, the tools we use in pursuit of our mission, become the center of our common life. The pitfall is that our traditions, our histories, our norms, and our desires can easily become the ultimate good. We trick ourselves into thinking they are the reason we exist, and that always creates endless problems. So the goal for Paul in this reading, and his entire ministry for that matter, is unity. Paul asks that they would be united in the same mind and the same purpose. And the word for unity here is similar to the one for mending or stitching something back together. Does unity assume everyone is the exact same? Not even close. Unity just means you have the same center, even if you're coming from vastly different directions. Unity just means that our common life is centered around Jesus, that it's Jesus who holds us together. And Paul reminds us that Jesus should be at the center of everything we do as church. How does Paul put it in today's reading? 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Everything we do is normed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, and everything we do seeks to manifest the grace of God in our community. But it takes work, a lot of work, to make sure that Jesus stays at the center. Because if you aren't clear that the center of the church is the grace of God in Jesus Christ, something else will become the center. It might be the building, it might be the pastor, it might be the hymnal, it might be the budget, it might be the programs, but something is always going to be at the center. And that causes a big problem for us. While none of those things are bad, they can pervert our mission when we make them the primary thing we serve. Instead of having a pastor who leads the congregation, we build cults of personality and think that the pastor is indispensable. The day you don't know what you would do without me is the day you should fire me as your pastor. Instead of having a building that's accessible and organized and transparent to the community, we want the building to do the work of ministry for us. And instead of putting programs and events on that further our mission, we do the same things over and over, not because they work, but because they're the things we know how to do. Where does that impulse come from? That tendency we have to center everything we can think of except for the grace of God. At its heart, it comes from a lack of trust. To center the grace of God in our common life seems, to use Paul's word, foolish. Because it means giving up our sense of control. We can control the building, we can control programs, we can control the pastor, sometimes. But you can't control the grace of God. You have to take it on faith, you have to trust. And that scares us. Which is really too bad. Because we live in a world that is desperately in need of what we have to give, but so often we act as if we have nothing of any value to offer. I talk to people every single day, and do you know what they never tell me? They never tell me, I would like to become a voting member of a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America with two worship services, a 30-something-year-old pastor in a sanctuary with almost no natural light in it. What they do say is, I want to be a part of a community where I don't have to pretend to be someone I'm not. What they do say is, I want to be a part of a church that doesn't put an asterisk after the all or welcome sign. And what they say more than anything else is, every single day I wake up and I get reminded in a million little ways that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not committed enough. I'm not smart enough. And for one hour a week, I need to go somewhere where I'm reminded that even if I'm never enough for the people around me, I'm enough for God. As we go into the annual meeting today, as we review the past year and look to the future, it will be tempting to focus on those incidental things, the programs, the pastor, the building. But I want you to think about something else. Think about the needs of the people in our community who get reminded every day they aren't good enough. Who get told they aren't worthy of love or deserving of respect. And most of them won't be at our meeting today, but they should be at the forefront of our attention. Because they're counting on us. 
And they're not counting on us to run more efficient programs. They're not counting on us to have a nicer building. They're not counting on us to have a more charismatic pastor. They're depending on us to keep the grace of God at the center. How would our community, our neighborhood, change if we kept Jesus at the center of our life and work? I think it would change a lot. I think it would be more equitable. I think it would be more respectful and affirming. I think it would look just a little bit more like the kingdom of God St. Matthew talks about. And how would we change if we did that? Probably more than we want to. For some of us, it might feel scary. For others of us, it might feel foolish. But for most of us, I think it would be free. I think it would lower our anxiety. I think it would quell our resentments. And most of all, I think it would give us a sense of joy. Because if all we have to offer are budgets and buildings, programs and personnel, we have nothing to offer anyone. But if we keep Jesus at the center, if the grace of God is the reason we exist and the thing that norms everything we do, then we have the most important gift anyone could ever receive. How does Paul put it? For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You're more powerful than you think you are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.